This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you've tuned into The Property Show, the show all about everything property related, and I'm Chong Jen Sun. Today we're looking at are there too many retail malls in Malaysia? Generally, retail malls have been a prime beneficiary of a pandemic recovery and also a slew of incentives and cash handouts for the B40 and M40 groups. However, footfall is still below pre-COVID levels, while there is also a surge of incoming supply recently such as Pavilion Bukit Jalil and Midway Shopping Park Lala Port. While in the next few years, malls such as Pavilion Damansara Heights, 118 Mall and TRX Mall will also be completed. Why are, why are malls still being constructed when there's still a growing threat from e-commerce? Over the longer term, and existing malls, even in matured areas, are not doing as well. Joining me to discuss this is Amy Wong, Executive Director, Research and Consultancy at Knight Frank. Thank you for joining us. Amy, can you give us an overview of the latest statistics for retail malls in Malaysia in terms of current supply, vacancy rates, incoming supply, and the average rental rate increases we have seen? Yes, sure. Hi, Jensen. So, um, in terms of the statistics for retail malls currently in Malaysia... Uh, the National Property Information Centre currently records a total of 559 shopping centres in Malaysia with a total retail space of about 142 million square feet. Approximately half of this is located in Klang Valley, uh, 67 million square feet thereabout. Um, and that roughly works out to about 4.3 square feet of retail space per capita in Malaysia. Of course, Klang Valley clocks in um, quite marginally higher at 75%, 75% higher actually at um, 7.5 square feet of retail space per capita. Um, about a quarter of um, retail space that we have is currently vacant. Compared to uh, in 2019, before the pandemic, uh, it was about 20% vacant um, on average across the board. Um, in terms of uh, new supply, of uh, retail malls, uh, perhaps we should look at this year itself. This year itself, we have about 3.3 um, million square feet completing in Klang Valley alone. Um, that will include um, KLS, KS, KSL Esplanade, Pavilion Damansara Heights and 8 Conley, all three of which will be completed in the first half of this year. And in the second half of this year, uh, there will be the retail component at Lot 91 of KLCC, the Mega Mall of Exchange TR X as well. Um, the 118 mall that was mentioned earlier um, is highly likely to be completed in um, 2024. Alright, Amy, some of the malls that you mentioned earlier, how successful have they been in filling their tenant bases? Um, okay, let's start by talking about the two biggest malls that are set to open this year, which is Pavilion Damansara Heights and the Exchange TRX. So, Pavilion Damansara Heights um, has a total of 380 retail lots. It's expected to open in May this year. And according to news reports, um, as of the end of last year, they mentioned that 70% of retail space has been committed by tenants and um, they expect to open uh, Pavilion Damansara Heights in two phases. About half a million square feet to open phase one, they call it, will open in May and then it will follow shortly by um, phase two, another half 
half a million square feet. Um, in terms of tenant mix, uh, they are about mostly fashion driven, I think. Uh, fashion will make up 45%, F&B will make up 35% and the balance to be made up of beauty and urban leisure. Um, the other one that um, I am also looking forward to is the Exchange Mall at TRX, uh, which will have 400 retail lots. It's about 1.3 million square feet and expected to open in November this year. Um, similarly, 70% of the space uh, has been leased and pre-committed. Um, news reports say that the ground floor has been fully taken up by premium tenants. It will house, um, it is rumoured to house, um, the first Apple flagship store in Malaysia. Uh, everyone is excitedly looking forward to that. Um, Cebu department store will also take up a, a big base, uh, be an anchor tenant in the exchange mall. News reports say that uh, there will be a very special Japanese food hall there, which will take up 250,000 square feet. That's quite large. And also, um, in terms of luxury tenancies, we hear that it is actually fully taken up. So LVMH Group um, will be opening 17 brands there, which includes LV, Dior, Tiffany & Co, Bulgari. Uh, Caring Group brands, um, which include Gucci, Son of Ron, they will be opening there as well. And we hear that Chanel will be opening their new full-line store there as well. Yeah, it's amazing how the high-end brands continue to thrive in such an environment. Amy, some analysts have said that one of the reasons why malls are still being constructed is there is pent-up demand from consumers for supermarkets and cinemas to be built around their residential areas. But does this thesis really hold true? Well, I, I guess there's several parts to that thesis. The, the first part of which was um, the term of pent-up demand. I, I don't quite agree with the fact that it's pent-up demand, but there is definitely definite um, demand for such services in neighbourhoods. Um, especially because retail malls are no longer just a place for shopping, right? They, they cater somewhat as a third space besides the home and the workplace. So it's a place for people to hang out, to congregate. So um, demand for supermarkets and cinemas would fit right into this third space philosophy. Another point is that neighbourhood malls or what you call these malls which are built in residential areas, they, they would provide a pretty wholesome retail experience in terms of convenience, comfort and choice. And that's what most neighbourhood malls should aspire to. And as to, to address the section of why malls are still being constructed, um, especially in residential neighbourhood areas, I, I think um, we have to look at the fact that approved plot ratios, building, building plot ratios are a lot higher now, especially with the fact that we have extended our MRT lines quite a bit. Um, so there will be a lot of transit-oriented developments. So all these projects uh, will require a, a podium a, a podium level to connect all these tall towers that are built on the site. And this podium level is where there's usually a retail mall, a retail space, uh, where developers will feel compelled to build this retail podium to tie the entire development together, um, as well as the fact that the retail mall will sort of create a destination address. It will lend credibility to the project if there, as an as an office or prime residential address. But of course, this is also where mall developers must follow through with proper retail mall planning and um, target it very specifically to the catchment market where the mall sits. Amy, looking any Dr. Lee, besides location, retail malls which have strong sponsors with strong balance sheets appear to be doing the best, the likes of Mid Valley, One Utama, Sunway Pyramid, and to some extent also the Pavilion Group. Is this the case and how do other retail malls survive in such a climate? I guess the other... The other malls may not look as prof profitable because they have a lack of heavy-duty sponsors, per se. However, 
If these malls have a healthy and steady stream of regular repeat shoppers to their malls, I believe that they should be able to stay in the black and thrive rather steadily. And this is validated in the fact that uh, there are neighbourhood malls or malls with supermarket F&B as their anchors who are still enjoying healthy footfall and businesses. Are there still any retail malls which are still offering assistance in terms of rental rate waivers or rebates? Uh, yes, yes, there is. Um, in the current market, yes. Um, because there are still retailers who have not fully recovered from um, the two-year lockdown. Not those that I mentioned earlier, right? Uh, well, the luxury market has definitely thrived even during lockdowns. So, Amy, retail malls collect both a base rent and turnover rent. Is this still a common feature? Are there malls where turnover rent is still prevalent and rising? Uh, yes, this is still common. Um, and a lot of the malls are having a sort of hybrid of, um, all of uh, rental types. Uh, but yes, definitely, turnover rental is increasingly popular because of the fact that it is, um, it, it's a shared responsibility between the landlord and the retailer in terms of bringing the shoppers and doing better overall. With SMEs still feeling the heat from the effects of COVID-19 and an impending recession which may happen this year, how are retail malls working together with them to ensure there is a win-win situation or is it just survival of the fittest? Uh, I, I think at the moment we can say that the good landlords... Um, are working very hard together with their retailer tenants in order to get everyone back on their feet because it's a symbiosis relationship, right? So, um, however, of course, we note that the small businesses in the poorer performing malls with lesser footfall, they may struggle harder to stay afloat. Um, however, uh, and if you see, right, the, the established, the well-performing malls, they are actually more able to provide assistance to their retailer tenants because they want to safeguard their occupancy, footfall levels, and they, of course, have um, stable financials to support all this assistance that's provided to retailers. Um, but what we are definitely seeing right now is also um, a lot more creative marketing efforts um, to hold events in, say, central courts in these um, shopping malls in order to further drive footfall. And I think that's been very, very successful recently. Um, uh, Malaysians are back in their malls, I must say. And Amy, how has the China reopening helped the case for retail malls in Malaysia? Or is it just too early days to tell? I think it's still early to say um, because um, China has recently just reopened, right? Um, and, and that's very good. But uh, as you can see from uh, historically, how uh, as we were... Re we ourselves were reopening back then. There was a lot of hesitance in traveling out of the country. So I believe this is uh, this human nature. So um, Chi the Chinese uh, may slowly trickle out from China itself. Perhaps um, analysts are saying uh, perhaps in the second half of this year. So right now we are not seeing such effects yet in our retail space. And we'll be taking a short break for some messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You've tuned into The Property Show. I'm Chong Jen Sun. Today's topic is, are there too many retail malls in Malaysia? Joining me to discuss this is Amy Wong, Executive Director, Research and Consultancy at Knight Frank. Amy, H&M had a reputation of paying minimal rental, while Mid Valley had a reputation of having long queues to open shop there. Is H&M's presence now in Mid Valley a sign that it's increasingly difficult to fill large areas in a mall? Uh, I think H&M's presence in Mid Valley is a sign of the brand itself being in demand by shoppers rather than the difficulty in filling up large areas in malls. But um, from your question there, um, which is about large areas in malls, right? Uh, and, and you 
specified Mid Valley. Perhaps I can use Mid Valley as an example. Um, ever since Mid Valley Mega Mall was injected into the REIT, the REIT managers have actually been working quite hard to maintain occupancy levels, which were already very high. But they also, REIT managers re were required to also increase rent. So um, this was done when the lease of the anchor tenants who were taking up huge chunks of space, they were not renewed. Instead, the huge chunks of space were sliced up into smaller shop areas, which therefore brought in higher rent in terms of uh, ringgit per square foot. Definitely, larger areas in malls are difficult to fill, but um, mall managers have been somewhat forced and actually become successfully creative in uh, filling up this space. For example, right, let me take an example of, say, uh, Wanutama. Uh, Wanutama is a huge mall, and they just recently completed its E-wing, the new wing which um, connects to the train station. Um, and, and I think they do a pretty good job of defining experiential retail. They have this huge ninja family playground, indoor skydiving, water surfing, rock climbing facilities, even a radio studio incubator, uh, to name a few of all these um, non-traditional shopping tenants. And Amy, some malls are managed by their in-house team, while other malls' management are outsourced to reputable foreign companies to ensure the most optimal tenant mix. Which formula has proven to be the most successful in Malaysia? Um, I think, yes, some of these malls are actually designed by international architects, but I don't quite think that they, um, there are any foreign companies per se managing our malls right now. Most most of the mall management and leasing is done by local teams um, because retail is very specific to local markets. But in terms of tenant mix, it is true that the international houses tend to be able to draw and bring in new concepts and brands to boost the mall's retail experience and give a sense of differentiation to the mall. Um, however, the critical importance here is whether the brands and the tenant mix matches the demographic profile of the catchment area where the mall sits, which then goes back to how uh, to what I earlier mentioned that retail is very, very specific to local markets, so very uh, locally driven. Amy, do neighbourhood malls still have a role to play or do more shoppers really just migrate to the large regional malls? I actually personally really love my local neighbourhood mall okay. uh, and not having to drive more than 10 minutes or fight traffic to get my weekly shopping done or get my hair and nails ready for dinner party during the weekend or throwing together a very quick outfit for the child school costume party that's happening tomorrow. So I, I really like my local neighbourhood mall and, and you can see where the neighbourhood mall can fill up um, all these quick and easy needs, you know, in today's very busy life. Who has the time to drive to a mega mall nearby, right? Uh, so yes, neighbourhood malls still have a role to play. Uh, they, they provide a very quick and central location for the immediate community to shop, to socialise, to have a quick cup of coffee, to access services within a very short distance from home. Amy, how have the malls in the state of Johor been faring since the opening of the borders? Um, okay, right now, um, about... 30% of, um, on average, 30% uh, of uh, retail space in Johor is vacant. Um, it is also slightly lower due to the fact that um, uh, this is post-COVID and the Johor market definitely is very much tied to the, the Singapore borders. Okay. Based on your conversations and surveys with market players, is the average consumer now more or less confident and will this lead to an apparent dip in retail spending if the economy worsens in second half of this year? I think that uh, 
uh, people have started holding back slightly ever since um, the end of last year. Um, we have had quite a few uh, quite a few reports coming out that that inflation has caused a lot of price increases. So um, definitely, a lot of consumers are being careful with how they spend. Um, however, um, if we were to look at statistics, like I guess statistics is the best. Um, so the Department of Statistics Malaysia actually recorded that for the first eleven months of twenty twenty two, Malaysia retail sales rose by 24% year-on-year to about 600 billion ringgit with a recorded double-digit growth every month in the first 11 months of 2022. So I guess that speaks for itself. However, in terms of um, the outlook for consumer spending, uh, I do believe that yes, uh, the recession, possible recession headlines um, is uh, hurting a lot of um, people. Uh, a lot of, it's hurting the sentiment uh, per se. But um, we are definitely looking forward to see uh, what the budget 2023 will bring for us. And Amy, what are some of the key challenges which are still plaguing industry this year and how are some of the retail players addressing this? Um, I, I think that retail rents are still uh, challenging because they are tied to uh, turnover sales. Um, so therefore, it's it's not yet at um, pre-pandemic levels uh, right now. So that's one major challenge. The other major challenge we have is the fact that we have a lot of new shopping malls that are coming up in Klang Valley specifically, a lot of mega malls. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out in terms of the type of tenant mix and profile there will be. Will it still Will it be the same old, same old? Or will there be a brand new mix that comes in to make the place more exciting um, and draw the customers in? Uh, so that remains to be seen and I'm definitely quite looking forward. But historically, are there any? is there any data that shows that once a new mall opens, there's a lot of migration to that mall, but it fizzles out in the end and people go back to their comfort zone where they're quite used to their shopping needs? Uh, that is true, um, which brings you back to uh, the success of neighbourhood malls, right? So I think neighbourhood malls and mega malls, destination malls per se, um, play different roles. So um, neighbourhood malls will be for your daily needs, but destination malls will be for those where you have to do actual shopping. For instance, if you want to do your Christmas shopping, your Chinese New Year shopping, do you not go to a place where there's a whole lot more variety, where you can spend an entire day and get everything in one place? Uh, so that's you're right in the sense that you will not go um, Christmas shopping every month. Um but uh, it still has its role to play. And then this is also where the um, marketing team of the mall would come in, where they would bring in events, activities. Uh, you bring in your K-pop stars, your Disney center court events. And um, that's where you would attract people to come to your mall. And Amy, Malaysians love their malls, but with rising e-commerce adoption, what is the long-term survivability of malls in Malaysia? Well, in medieval times, let's go back there, there was the central town square, right? Which is a traditional congregation area where people gathered to barter their farm, farm produce, to hear the latest royal dispatch, to cheer friendly matches. Uh, it, it brought people and communities together in the central town squares. And since then, these spaces have evolved and now the retail mall forms that third space besides home and workplace. But the central theme of these third spaces remain the same, to bring people together. So, so I don't quite think that we will see the death of malls per se, but we would likely say, see the death of boring spaces. So adaptive reuse of retail space and the creative 
activation of public spaces will be key to keeping the community interested in spending time in your space. But how often do malls really have to be in touch and reject their tenant base and to be relevant? How often do they make that sort of decisions? I think um, retail terms, uh, the tenancies are usually for three-year terms. Um, so every three-year, you have a rent renewal. And that is usually when... Um, Mall managers will look and see what they have to do in order to activate the space. So um, a lot of retail research is important, running your regular customer exit surveys, understanding your shoppers, understanding your retailers, how they're doing is very important. Um, and so as a landlord, you don't just sit back and wait for the rent. You you need to actively manage these malls in order to make sure they are successful spaces where um, shoppers continue to like coming to. Do you feel there should be more legislation by the government to really curb the expansion of retail malls and to ensure there are not a lot of white spaces out there? I believe very much in the market economics, okay. supply and demand. <laughs> so um, I, I think that um, developers would not build a space which would not make sense to them. Um, but it is more towards uh, managing these spaces. Definitely, I, I feel that uh, selling stratified shops would not work because it's a lot more difficult to manage fragmented spaces. So would, <laughs> would this be... Uh, your, your question is quite tricky, actually. Um, but uh, whether or not I think there should be more government legislation, I would say no. That's all the time we have for the Property Show. I've been speaking to Amy Wong, Executive Director Research and Consultancy at Knight Frank. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. The Property Show on BFM 89.9 The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.